Deborah. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and I have a question for you. A little bit of an admission and a question. Have any of you been lost? Not in a spiritual sense, in a physical, geographical, I have no clue where I am kind of lost. Yeah, okay. Does it happen to you with some degree of frequency? It does with me. I am directionally challenged. I know there's part of your brain that handles that whole geophysical positioning so that you kind of know where you are in space and time. And I use that part of my brain for storing trivial pursuit facts instead of the compass. I get lost a lot. And just because I've been someplace one time doesn't mean I can find my way there again, nor does it mean I can find my way back home after I have been there. At Mother's Day, my husband and daughter and I met at a restaurant in Nashville for lunch. So we've got three different cars. It was a new restaurant, it was really good. So I used Siri. Siri, smartphones, the best thing about smartphones is Siri and the map function. And my Siri is the British guy Sounds like James Bond is in the car with me, which is kind of cool. So, you know, I push the button and he tells me how to get to where it is I'm going to go. So we went to lunch, got there a little early, eight, and time to leave. I was not going back home. I was going someplace else. So I got in the car and hit my phone, turned on Siri, and he said, turn east. It's noon. The sun is right up in the sky. I have no idea which way east is. So my first thought is, well, I gotta sit here for an hour or so until the sun moves so I can figure out how to get out of the parking lot. I get, I get lost a lot. Um, my husband is normally pretty patient with, with me and with it, but sometimes I sense a little judgment. He was an Eagle Scout and did orienteering and, and all of that, so my not being able to get home from the restaurant sometimes is a little bit of a, a challenge for him to understand. But orienteering, that's, that's what they call it when you use a compass and, and all the different things to be able to figure out where you are and where you're going. And it just boggles my mind that hundreds of years ago, people could get on boats and get someplace just by looking at the stars or travel across continents making their way just by looking at the stars and finding out where they were and where they were going and actually getting there. That's just the most mysterious thing in the world to me. And you would think just knowing where you are would be fairly simple to figure out. But sometimes it's not. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. In the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, and I'm going to run this from my iPad today because I got a little cue crazy when I was putting this together. And we've got great media people, but 20-some-odd cues is just more than to expect somebody else who doesn't know what your brain is thinking to, to process. Genesis. So the Lord God called out to the man and said, where are you? And he, the man, said, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. I think it is fascinating, and I've never wondered about it before just in the last couple of weeks. Why, when God 
first interacted with man after that break in the relationship asked a question. I, I don't know that that would have, had I not been aware of the scripture, I don't know that that would have been the first thing I would have expected him to do, to ask a question and ask the question, where are you? All-knowing God asking, where are you? We're going to pursue that a little bit this morning. I'm going to talk about that a little bit. We, like Adam and Eve, are created to know God, to know him, to love him, to live with him, and to glorify him. That was the existence that they knew. I love in this, in this story, and it talks about in the cool of the evening, God would come and walk with them. When I was a kid, we would spend a good part of each summer with my grandparents in rural Alabama. And they were hardworking people. And at the end of the day, after supper had been cleared away, and it was supper, you had breakfast, dinner, and supper. Dinner was the midday meal. And then supper, which was usually leftovers from dinner. After supper was cleared away and the dishes were cleared away, my grandmother and grandfather and her sister who lived next door and her husband and kids would, would gather in the lawn chairs in the backyard under the trees. And my sister and I would chase lightning bugs. I guess some of you might call those fireflies, but we call them lightning bugs. And that cool of the evening time was precious. Some of my fondest memories of childhood are from those days in that time of the day as the sun was going down and the, the heat was cooling and the humidity was, was lifting a little bit. And just, just the sense that it gave me of, of kind of completeness, being with people I loved in the cool of the day. And that's what Adam and Eve knew. In the cool of the day, they sensed the presence of God and there was completeness. And then that was broken. And Adam realized he was naked and he was afraid and so he hid. I wonder, I wonder why God asked, where are you? And I think the asking and the answering are important. If we are a people who believe that, that this scripture was written thousands of years ago, for people who have been long dead, but was also written for us, has meaning for us, if that question was important for them to know, then that question is important for us to know as well, to know the answer to. The asking of the question and the answering are important. There's a reason for the question. There's a reason that God responded to Adam with a question, with where are you? There was a purpose for that, and there's a purpose when he asks it of us as well. Adam said, I knew I was naked and I was afraid. I wonder what it was like to feel fear for the first time to recognize vulnerability, to recognize the separateness from God, to feel fear for the first time. And his response 
it drove him into the bushes. And if the question is important and we see that Adam's response was to hide, I think it's because that's what we do. When we sense the presence of God or we're, we're confronted with a scripture that makes us uncomfortable, we go into the bushes. We are afraid and we hide. We're afraid, what is, what is he gonna think? What is, what is he gonna think when he sees me like this? when he sees this in me. But I think the question is important because it's easy to get lost in the bushes. We get in there and and we just get lost. We start to live there all the time, to hide there all the time. And the bushes can look different for all of us. There are probably as many different bushes or hiding places or ways to hide as there are people. Um, perfectionism, that can be a bush. That need to be in control can be a bush. Probably all of the isms can be a bush. Manipulation, role-playing, being inauthentic. Those can be bushes, those can be hiding places because we think somewhere deep in our hearts that that's better than the real me. That that's more important for people to see, for God to see, than the real me. But the question is an opportunity as well. It's an invitation. The question is an invitation because by asking a question, God kept the door open. The question said that the relationship is not over. He stayed in communication with Adam. And Almighty God knows the answer to the question. He knew the the answer to the question for Adam. He knew where Adam was. But Adam needed to identify where he was. Adam needed to know, and the relationship needed an answer. And that's the same with us. We need to know where we are. Maybe not where we think we are. Maybe not where we intended to be. But in all reality, where am I? Where am I in my relationship with God? Where where am I in my relationship with the people around me? Where are we? And so that's, that's the question that I have today for you to think about. The invitation. It's an invitation to determine where I am really where I am. Some of our bushes are, are overgrown and tangled and thorny and we think we're never going to get out. And some of our bushes are very manicured and pretty because maybe, maybe that bush looks like being really busy doing good things for other people. But it's a way of hiding from God. Where are you? Being asked the question gives you a chance to determine that, to answer it. Gives you a chance to pay attention. A couple of weeks ago, driving to work, I drive to work every day. Driving to work, I missed two turns. The same morning, had the radio on, 
was talking to my mom. That's part of my morning commute is, is to call my mom. I was not paying attention. And I went past the first, went through the green light and thought, I was supposed to turn there. Okay, I'll go on around this way. Got on the bypass, missed my exit off the bypass. Had to go on down and turn around and come back. I just wasn't paying attention. But how often is that how we live our lives? We get into habits and patterns and kind of into just a little groove and we just don't pay attention. Being asked the question, where are you, gives you the opportunity to pay attention. It also gives you the opportunity to pay attention to what you do pay attention to. Whose voice has influence over you? Where do you spend time looking and listening? What do you give value to? Whose opinion makes a difference? Who knows how to push your button and you respond every time they do? Being asked the question, where are you, is an invitation to pay attention to what you pay attention to. To identify what of the voices out there that are jumping up and down and screaming for your eyeballs to look at them and your ears to hear them. Where, where do you stop and notice? And what effect does that have on your spirit? on your life. Being asked the question gives you a chance to pay attention to what you pay attention to. Don't you love technology? Gives you a chance to notice who and what you respond to as you're paying attention to what you pay attention, and then to notice what are the circumstances, what are the situations that make a difference in your life that you react to in some way. It could be positive, it could be negative. What, what do you respond to? What, what gets you to make some sort of movement in your life? It gives you a chance to identify habits or patterns. You know, sometimes it's kind of like not paying attention. We just, we just do the same things in the same way because it's easy or because it meets some kind of need or at some point it made sense. At some point, that reaction was a way to protect yourself maybe to feel better about something. There was some reason that you responded like that and it, it seemed to help in that moment and so you just keep doing that over and over and over and over. And it becomes a bush. It's a place you hide. In um, marriage enrichment or, or premarital counseling, sometimes we talk about relationship triangles and those roles that we can play in relationships with each other and moving from one to the other depending on what's going on. And we do it without thinking about it, by responding to whatever somebody else is doing. Being asked the question, where are you, is a chance to identify some of those patterns, some of those habits. The thing is, 
we can pretty easily get lost in the bushes, but it's really difficult for us to go through this process to answer that question on our own, on our own power, in our own understanding, with our own way of seeing, because all that luggage that you bring, all that baggage that you bring, that I bring, a lot of it that we are not even aware of, all of that colors our vision. It affects what we see. And so often what, what we see is not truth, is not real. We need help in answering the question, where are you? We need a helper, a counselor, a map and a compass that shows where we are and gives us an orientation toward the heart of Jesus. Because you were created to walk in the garden, not to hide in the bushes. You were created to be in relationship, to be in community with God and each other, with the real you, the authentic you, the you he created you to be, being in relationship. And we need the Holy Spirit to help us figure out where we are and give us an orientation back toward the heart of Jesus. Jesus said, I've come to give life and to give it abundantly. And through his death and resurrection, he has done that. And then it is in the power of his spirit that we live an abundant life, that we live a life that glorifies him, a life that reflects love for him and love for each other. It's the Holy Spirit. Pastor Aaron is I think it was last week, he, he mentioned this several places in Scripture, and it's the Holy Spirit is sometimes called the Spirit of Christ or the Spirit of Jesus or the Spirit of God. It is His Spirit with us every day that gives us the power to live that abundant life. The Holy Spirit is that helper. The Holy Spirit is that, that map and compass for us. The question, where are you, gives us a way back. The question gives us a way back. It says the relationship is not over, that whatever you have done has not ended this. The question gives us a way back. Sometimes I think to stop the running, to stop the hiding, what we need is a, a deep, deep understanding that what we have already done does not condemn us. I think that that's the essence probably of what sends us in the bushes in fear in the first place, is that we just don't understand that what we have done does not condemn us. And the question gives us a way back. Answering the question gives us a way back, gives us an orientation back to the heart of Jesus. I was reading in Psalm this week, Psalm 119, and it was um, verses 34 through 40. And I realized as I was reading that each of those sentences, each of those verses had a prayer, but also an explanation of, of how the Holy Spirit guides our hearts. 
This psalm said, give me understanding, direct me, turn my heart, turn my eyes, fulfill your promise, take away the disgrace, and preserve my life. Oh my goodness. What a beautiful way to describe what the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives does. Gives us understanding and direction. Turns our hearts and our eyes back to Jesus. Helps us understand the fulfillment of the promise. Takes away the disgrace and preserves our life. We learn that hiding in the bushes is not our destiny. Hiding in Christ is our destiny. He is our hiding place. You were created to walk in the garden, not hide in the bushes. So how do we do that? I think that's the the teacher part of me, that we understand truth, but then I want to leave you with something that helps you walk in it. So how do we do that? How do we hear the Holy Spirit? How do we make those choices to move out of the bushes and walk with him? It takes time. It takes attention. And it takes giving him permission. That sounds a little odd, doesn't it? To say give him permission. He's God. There's something different than that happens in us when we move from an intellectual ascent that we know he is all-knowing. So he knows, just as with Adam, he knows where we are. But there's something different that happens with us when we move from that kind of intellectual understanding of that to something in our heart that says, show me where I am. Would you show me where I am? When you give him permission to look into the deepest parts of your heart, the places you're trying to hide in the bushes, and to show that to you. And that's where that, that element of, oh my goodness, I think I'll just stay here. At least I know what this is like. What's he going to think of me when he looks into my heart? There is a vulner- vulnerability there and an intimacy that's different than just saying, okay, yeah, he knows. And when you spend time and give attention, you learn to hear his voice. You begin to recognize his voice. I will admit that that there are days, weeks, months maybe, where my, my response has been, a lot going on, busy, Holy Spirit, if there's something I need to know, just kind of blow the traffic cop whistle, get my attention, tell me, and let's, let's keep on with things. And it just doesn't work that way. It just, on a regular basis, does not work that way. Hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit, identify where you are, requires time and attention. I love reading about saints who have gone before us, believers who have gone before us, and and the way they lived their lives, 
because we are all human beings. We are all people. There is nothing new. There's, there's really no situation new to, to us that, that somebody who lived 1,000 years ago or 1,500 years ago didn't address. The feelings, the emotions, the way we respond to each other, those are all the same. And so I love reading about, about believers and how they, how they live their lives. I love the New Testament, reading those, those encounters how, how those people who love Jesus, who followed him, we see them in their flawed humanity, and we see the grace of Christ in his interaction with them. But one of the things that I have discovered, um, a believer who lived around 1,000, 1,100, so 1,000 years ago, um, was a monk and instituted this prayer of examine in his monastery. And it was something that he and the other men who lived there, who loved God, did every day at the end of the day. And this time was dedicated to asking the Holy Spirit to show you motives, desires, struggles, and opportunities. Do you remember two, three weeks ago when Pastor Matt preached and he was up here with the the mask on and had the blowtorch, I will have to admit to you, I slipped my phone out and took a picture and texted it to Pastor Aaron in London with the question, is our fire insurance current? Now, I followed it up with another text saying he's just making a point, but you know, there was a second there, it could have gone either way. But he was talking about having a foundation in Christ, but then building on that. And we can build with hay or stubble or wood or gold or silver, we can, we can build on that with things that will not stand the test of time. And in our 242 group after that, which tonight is 242 night, in our 242 group after that, the question came up, how do I know? How do I know what I'm building with? I think my desire is that I'm building something lasting, but how do I know? And I think that's part of the beauty of this kind of prayer of examine. When the Holy Spirit shows you motives, that's how you know. I mean, we, can, we can construct something that looks gorgeous, but if the motive is self-serving or manipulative, it will not stand the test of time. And it's this time with the Holy Spirit, this time in prayer, when you say, show me. You give him permission to look into you and show you motives and desires and struggles and opportunities, things that you might not see otherwise. And this time begins in stillness. For those of you who are note takers, I have this, this prayer of examine on the table back there that you can, can pick up after, so you don't have to write all of this down. It begins in stillness, in sitting in God's presence, and yes, you can pray doing anything and anywhere. But again, there is something different that happens when you settle yourself and you turn off the phone and you turn off the noise and you have a place that you're not going to be interrupted for five or ten minutes and you sit and you soak in the presence of God. That you just breathe. That you that you calm your parasympathetic nervous system down that's running halfway between fight or flight all the time because you're just at such a pace, that you give it a chance to calm down. 
and you just sit in stillness. He said, be still and know that I am God. And how many times do we read of Jesus leaving the hubbub, the ministry, to go away, to spend time in stillness with his Father? If that's not part of of your day, of your life, I really encourage that, that you try it. You ask the Holy Spirit to increase your awareness of the presence of God. One of the things that, another thing I read this week in the Psalms, I read the line, the Lord has become my strength and my song. He has become my victory. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my victory. And Psalms are a really good place to go at the beginning of this time to read something like that because it kind of breathes in and out with you, the rhythm of that. And just to focus on that psalm, whenever the Lord is my strength and my song, he has become my victory until all of the the stuff in your brain calms down a little bit. And then you begin to review your day. Review your day with gratitude. I realized when I really started to do this on a regular basis, how often I would pray at the end of the day, thank you, Lord, for all the blessings of this day. Well, what were those? What were those blessings? And this gives us an opportunity to start at the beginning of the day and to name them, to identify the blessings to be grateful for specific things that he has done. I have a list of of questions up here that can, can be part of that review of your day. Where was I grateful? Where was I not grateful? Where did I show God's love? Where did I fail to do that? This is paying attention. What do I need to be thankful for? There are times that there are things that are blessings that in the moment we, we don't recognize them as that. Things that we need to be thankful for that maybe in the quiet of the day you realize that the Holy Spirit will show you that. What do I need to repent of? Do I need to ask forgiveness from someone? What action or mindset should I repeat tomorrow? Is there anything or a relationship with anyone where I need to take a step toward restoration tomorrow? Are there patterns or habits that made me more like Christ today? Are there patterns or habits that made me less like Christ today? And to spend some time at the end of your day asking Holy Spirit to very specifically help you see these things in your life. And it is so much easier to begin to move out of of the bushes, out of whatever has been a safe place for you to hide from God or to hide from your spouse or to hide from your friend when you do this on a regular basis. When you do it at the end of the day, in the cool of the day. And after some time there, it's a time of renewal. And that is Jesus, remembering the gospel, replanting the gospel in your heart, remembering again that he came to give you life, that his death and resurrection brought you life. To refocus, to reorient toward Jesus. 
And as you close that time in hopefulness, resolving to grow, grateful for the voice of the Holy Spirit that has shown you your heart, shown you your day through his eyes, and calls you out of the bushes to walk into the garden with him. The question, where are you, tells us that the relationship isn't over. It's not over. There's nothing you have done to end it. He knows where you are, but you need to know where you are. And you need to move from the bushes into the garden. Aubrey, if you would come. Um, we are going to open the table of the Lord for communion. And maybe, maybe today, before you take communion, and you, if you are a follower of, follower of Christ, you are welcome to join us in communion. But maybe today is a good time to, um, to ask him, to give him permission to show you if you're hiding in the bushes. Maybe you are and don't even realize it. There's that protective something that has, has made you feel safe when you realized you were vulnerable. And today's the day to move out. Would you stand with me?